Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. It is Ryan here, and I have a question for you. What do you do when you win? Like, are you a fist pumper? A woohooer, a hand clapper, a high fiver. I kind of like the high five, but if you want to hone in on those winning moves, check out Chumba Casino. At chumbacasino.com, choose from hundreds of social casino style games for your chance to redeem serious cash prizes. There are new game releases weekly, plus free daily bonuses. So don't wait. Start having the most fun ever at chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. DTW, void, we're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus. Lucky Land Casino asking people what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kids' PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere playing at luckylandslots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Are you the. Hey, man. You see where we at, man? All I gotta say is. Be careful who you make the villain, man. Be careful who you make the villain, man. Feel great to be a villain. All right, welcome to Out of the Blue from the Block M Podcast Network, part of the Fan First Sports Network, a podcast that was taught to stand on all 10. I am Jared Stormer of mazenbrew.com. With me, as always, is Andy Bailey, my hetero life mate, also of mazenbrew.com. Andy Bailey, a shadowy and malevolent figure some townspeople have taken to call him the Skinwalker. How the hell are you, sir? I'm good, man. Standing on business, just like this football team is. Uh, excellent weekend. I don't think I've been this excited to be here all week covering this win. We were itching to record this one after a Saturday of just a lot of pacing back and forth, a lot of screaming, a lot of neighbors banging on the walls asking me what's happening. Was someone just murdered in a bathtub next door? No, that's just Blake Corum breaking free to seal the game, baby. Can't <laughs> wait to talk about that one. We're going to start, though, where the day started on Saturday, and that was with a little bit of confusion. Um, I'd say we're going to start with a negative, but what this did is galvanize this Michigan program, and I saw more support, more camaraderie, more togetherness from this program, from the fan base, from the alumni, everybody on Saturday and Sunday than I've ever seen. So the timeline, as you know, suspension is announced by Big Ten and Big Ten Commissioner Tony Panini at, I'm not going to get his name right, 
ever again. Right. It doesn't deserve it. Hasn't earned it. I will be juvenile. I'm 13 years old when it comes to this. Uh, the suspension comes down while they're in air on a holiday where a judge can't come in and offer a TRO, temporary restraining order. So they find out as they're landing in at Michigan, they've got to shuffle th- these things up. The coaching staff up, Sharon Moore takes the head responsibility. Obviously, they had planned for this, and they had some practice with these suspensions earlier in the year. Michigan faithful are doom scrolling um, all evening on Friday night and Saturday morning, waiting for that temporary restraining order, which never came. Now we are waiting until Friday where they will have their day in court. Hopefully that restraining order is granted by the judge that would allow Jim Harbaugh to return to the sidelines. That's what we know right now. But Andy, let's talk about the timing of what happened on Friday, Friday night and into Saturday. (laughs) <laughs> the the timing you say you mean when everything is being reported that it's going to be pushed to next week and then all of a sudden on friday morning it's like no it's coming today and it's like oh surely it'll come before the plane takes off for state college of course it will no it doesn't it comes at 3 30 in the afternoon less than 24 hours before kickoff with the michigan team and coach harbaugh flying well overhead somewhere in the east coast they can't get word and also we should mention here ESPN leaks this before the university is notified. So Pete Thamel comes out with a report from sources, and that's how the story evolves. And then Michigan, the university, gets notice of it, so then they can start their counteraction plan. Harbaugh and the team aren't notified until they land, and Coach Harbaugh said today at his press conference that he was notified via social media, somebody showing them what they saw. So just a terrible terrible job of communicating i mean even the letter or the notice of the punishment had a typo in the first line with a comma in the wrong spot i mean really took your time with this one huh glad we waited an extra couple hours so the timing of it felt i don't know just kind of i don't want to say make malicious or just like intentional that's a better word to use it was very intentional i feel like they sat on this they waited on it they they knew it was the holiday weekend they knew it'd be very difficult to get a tro and they delivered it at the most inopportune time for michigan and for harbaugh 100 i mean i'll go even further and say that it's irresponsible it's inappropriate it is targeted and it is malicious there's just no way that like of all the times that this could have come down that was the best time to do it it's not a very long plane ride from ann arbor no pennsylvania like that's a puddle jump like so that's the time that it comes down you're trying to tell me that this isn't malicious this isn't targeted and because of that That's what I think the timing of it, not that it happened, but the timing of it. And I think that's what brought a lot of the Michigan faithful together. So let me start by saying this, Tony Petiti, you gave it your best shot, Tony. You really did short of personally going out and flattening the tires on the Michigan plane. You did everything you could to make sure that Michigan got a loss. You hopped on a call with a group of grown men who were really upset. Their feelings were hurt. They cried to you. And you said, you got it, Ryan Day. You you and your brother, you go you go dig up some stuff and whatever you want to do, we will do it. We will take Michigan out of this. All, all Penn State's got to do is just go out there and beat them without their head coach. Everything's up to you now, Penn State, James Franklin. Uh, the, the Big Ten, all of our hopes and dreams are on you. We assume that they're not going to be able to get it done. Well, guess what, you dumb bastards. <laughs> you sick 
sick, ignorant fools. You didn't know about Sharon Moore in this team, did you? You didn't know about the Michigan faithful that will absolutely get behind their team and say, you know what? Enough of this. Like we are ready to go to war. We will leave the conference. If, if this is not resolved, we are behind this coach. We're behind this program. We're even behind Ward Manuel, who decided to show up and had a couple words to say. And I th- good to I see you, Ward. Yeah, good to see you. Welcome to the debate. That was fantastic. But what was even better was just the response from everybody at Michigan. It's unprecedented. What's happening is unprecedented. And I just I love you guys. I, I love I love the fans of this program. And I love the way that everybody responded. And I can't wait to talk about how this team responded. That was tremendous. Man, I think you really said a lot there. It was just, I've never seen the fan base this galvanized before a game. I have seen it with, um, like, after wins, especially Ohio State wins. Like, uh, after 2021, obviously, that's like the, the gold, gold standard, even after 22 last year. But never before a game. Even before last year, people were like, no quorum, we're screwed. You always have your pessimists and your optimists on either side. And if you've listened to this podcast long enough, you know I fall more on the latter than anything. But, like, to have everybody just so pissed off. Like, nobody lying down. Nobody like, though, this is it. And then you have Desmond Howard going on get up and first take on Friday, just defending the team. Getting Stephen A. Smith to say, I back down. That's a good, I got, that's the defense. I back down. You get Charles Woodson swearing on national television in a pregame show and then going ballistic afterwards with his Michigan versus everybody shirt right next to Urban Meyer. I mean, it's really easy to rally around a common enemy. And Tony Petiti made himself that before the Penn State game. Penn State just happened to be in the way. They certainly did. And I cannot wait, sir. Um, to quote Mike Barrett, be careful who you make a villain. It feels good to be a villain, man. Let's talk about Michigan Penn State after just uh, a very interesting, a old school, just line them up, knock them down, three yards, clouds, cloud of dust type of football game in Happy Valley. Michigan wins this one 24-15. Michigan has now won 10 straight road games for the first time since 1946-49 when the boys came back from the big war. <laughs> Let's talk 30,000 foot view on this game, sir. Uh, A statement, Uh, a statement and more than a statement, a declaration of war, if you will, to everybody, to Penn State, to the conference, to Tony Petiti, to every non-ruling judge where you can just see it and yeah, not going to act on it one way or the other. I mean, got to love the judicial system. Just everybody, every time they ran the football, that's what it was. It was a message. It was like, okay, we'll play with one hand behind our back. We will not throw a forward pass for two and a half quarters. We'll give you a chance. Nothing. It didn't matter. Michigan imposed their will. Penn State knew what was coming and couldn't stop it. That is the definition of emasculation in a football game, and we saw it for four glorious quarters. Four glorious quarters. And uh, you know what really do- doesn't matter? Uh, signs or signals. Not if you're just going to run the ball every play. You may as well have handed them the playbook. Be like, yeah, there's going to be a lot of duo coming your way. Here it comes. <laughs> Line up and stop it. Uh, you see those those big guys out there? Yep, we're following them. And did not matter. Ultimate statement game. Now, I don't think, and I, I, we will certainly get into the play calling and, and why Sharon Moore did what he did. Um, but I don't think that it was this, but like it would be hilarious if that was why they were like, you know what? We're just running the ball this afternoon to show you that like we are that team we are really built for this uh that wasn't the intention behind it but they certainly 
did show that and it was a byproduct of this so as you mentioned michigan did not throw a pass after the 741 mark of the second quarter still come out and get this victory um the goalposts have already been, been started to be moved on this as we you knew it was coming would be yeah knew that was coming this is a big victory over penn state over against a very good defense and we'll get into both their offense and their defense and, and particularly both sides of the ball for michigan but let's just take a moment to appreciate that this was a quality top 10 win without your coach under extremely difficult circumstances on the road. And I mean, Michigan, all the credit to them. I think that this was the most important, important victory of the season. That's easy to say. I think it was the biggest game of the week and the most impressive victory of last week. I mean, Happy Valley is a extremely hard place to win. Even in 2021, I believe Penn State went seven and five that season and Michigan made the playoff. We needed a game winning drive. To win this thing, Michigan was down 17-14 when Eric All took the crossing route all the way down the field. Like, very tough place to play. And to come in and do it like this? Oh, man. Against a very good opponent. Like, talk about an elite defense. Like, an offense that came into this game off their best performance of the season with a ton of momentum behind them. And to just shut the door in their face with all the cur- the massive amount of curveballs you faced the day before. Like, no team has faced that kind of adversity. And I love that you said the goalposts are already being moved. It's, like, already being overlooked that Harbaugh wasn't there. You know, not that big a deal. You know, how many coaches could go into Penn State in that environment against the second largest crowd ever, ever at Beaver Stadium, raucous, and win a game like this without their head guy? Very few. I mean, if, if five. And Michigan was one of them on Saturday. Yeah, I don't know what happens if you take away Saban and bring in their next guy. Like, it's just no one's really ever asked to do anything like this. There's nothing to compare it to. So for that reason, this victory is going to go right up there. You and I were kind of talking, and we'll talk big picture about this game, maybe save that for the end. But I'm telling you, this is going to be a top five Harbaugh era victory for me when it's all said and done. And this yeah. is a Harbaugh era victory. Make no mistake about it. I don't care that he wasn't there on the sidelines. His fingerprints were all over that. And Sharon Moore walks in there in his second head ga- game as the head guy, or no, I guess he, he did at take over for, so this is yeah. Second, second, second game is that. Yep. Guy. Yeah. I don't know what I'm doing there. Um, and he gets Mike Yurkich fired. So guy, <laughs> doing something right. Makes it makes uh, James Franklin look like he doesn't know ball gets Mike Yurkich fired. Penn state moved on from him shortly after this game, after their offense could just get nothing going, but let's start with the offensive side of the ball. And I want to hear who was your man of the match in this one. Oh man. Like, I want to be cute here. I want to I want to give some love to Trevor Keegan. I thought it was one of his best games. I thought AJ Barner was exceptional with his run blocking in this. I thought JJ selflessness selflessness was very impressive. You're just not going to see a lot of guys in a Heisman race be content to just hand the football off. You're just you're not going to see whether you hear about it or not. Like they're they're not just going to be okay with that. And McCarthy was. He was one of the most hyped after the game, during the game, at every moment. Man of the match is Blake Corm. This was Blake Corum taking over, asserting his will, running hard every single play. You saw him afterwards with the stitches in his face, the blood rolling down. He finished this game 26 carries, a buck 45 and two tutties, average of 5.6 per carry, a long of 44. We knew we needed a Blake Corum game this year. We knew it had to happen, and it came at the best time. And this is why he's been rotated, why his carries have been down. 
you save him. You get him fresh for this game to keep smashing into the teeth of the defense over and over again. And he just looked powerful. He looked fast. When he was on the field, he was the best player on the field all afternoon. I have no notes. I don't even really have too much more to add. You are completely correct. It is Blake Corum. That image of him post-game is going to live on for eternity. I think nothing embodies this team more than that one image and Blake Corum, his post-game interview as yes. well. I mean, the emotions of Sharon Moore's interview followed up by Blake Corum just being a stone cold assassin. I mean, I'm telling you right now, I, I'm adjusting the britches as we speak. <laughs> um, this was the Corum game, no question about it. And like you mentioned, I had a great point there about JJ McCarthy being seven of eight on the day, too. It's not like JJ McCarthy was having a rough day and they're like, all right, no more throwing for you. Um, I mean, he was completing 89% of his passes. His one incompletion was why he was being slow, like thrown down to the ground. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And now I think that was probably they saw that play and they're like, oh, let's not have that happen again. Um, that was like a turnover worthy play. But J.J. doesn't do a lot of that. And Barnhart was getting cooked. So we'll get into more of that as we go through these position groups. But, yeah, the offensive man of the match has to be Blake Corum. Uh, but Donovan Edwards in this game, wow. we were waiting on it, man. And we were just waiting on the big running attack day. We were talking about this last week. We're like, when is that going to come? Well, we waited all of six days and that's when it came in. It came when we needed it, and Donovan was absolutely huge in this game and big on the ground too. Now, you know, I think we were kind of expecting if Donovan's going to show up, maybe it's in the passing game. You forget that he can still get this done on the ground, and when he's uh, extremely patient like that and he waits for things to develop, very dangerous running back because he can hit a hole and absolutely turn nothing into something pretty quickly, which he illustrated on Saturday. It was brilliant, too, on his first big run because he was following his blocks. And it was like, Donovan, look to the cutback. But because he, like, overran it initially, it got the linebackers to collapse even more. And then he had the wherewithal to cut out and look back and then make the big explosion. It was awesome because it was so complimentary. He made the big run. Corum got the score. Next drive, Corum had the big run to set it up. Donovan got the score on a third and 11 play call that, my God, the balls to call that at that time and anticipating the overloaded rush on the right side is chef's kiss. But no, it's, I felt is it was the Blake Corum game, but God, I felt so good for Donovan Edwards because he'd been waiting his time. He'd spoken openly about the frustrations early in the season and to have it in the biggest moment of the year couldn't help but feel so good for him. Absolutely, man. If you wanted to give man of the match to Sharon Moore, I will not push it's, back yeah. on that. It might be the Sharon Moore game because nobody was up against it more than him who found out, you know, less than 24 hours, like 18 hours. Yeah, he was going to be the head coach. Officially so an hour and a half there. before the game. <laughs> plenty of time, plenty of time to go coach a top 10 college football game. What are we doing here? Ridiculous. Uh, all right, sir. What was your swinging doors moment of the day on offense? I think there's some good, uh, good options here. You already mentioned one that I think at least should get some consideration. I think the swinging doors moment of the game was on the, the second touchdown drive of the game. I think it was when like the mammoth personnel came out again and they don't only brought them out into the, into this game. And when I say mammoth personnel for the listeners, I'm talking about 12 personnel, one running back, two tight ends and seven offensive linemen, seven. So they brought them out and lined them up on the right side of the line. They extended it to an unbalanced look. And then they brought Miles Hinton, Trente Jones, and A.J. Barner. They shifted them over to the left side. It's a lot of beef. And then Penn State countered by bringing 
two linebackers over that both went under 230 pounds to control the edge. Michigan ran the ball right at it. They filled those gaps as best they could. Corum broke outside for 44 yards on that run. And it was like, we're just going to overwhelm these guys. I felt like at that moment, everything changed. Penn State knew they were overwhelmed. Michigan knew they could overwhelm them continually with this. And soon after that, we stopped attempting forward passes. Uh, that is a great call out there. I, I, I think that anything around that time of the game is going to be the most important. The JJ fourth down or the JJ conversion when he, they rolled out and it was a pin and pull roll, run. You yeah, said? it was a pin where, and pull on third, third long. Yeah, great call. Where he hit, where he had the opportunity to throw, but there was nothing open down the field. So that's just your quarterback making a play. That is JJ making a play when you absolutely need oh, it. Oh, you're so. talking about the fourth down rollout. Yeah, the rollout. Oh, yeah, that's not the pinnacle. That's just the rollout. Okay, I was going to say. Like, they defend it perfectly. They, they take away both receivers, all the options. That's just J.J. making a play. That was masterful. I love that. Yes, so I'm going to call that play out as well as a swinging doors moment because J.J. just doing stuff that no other guys can. In a game where you're only throwing the ball eight times, be yep. easy to get discouraged, and a lesser quarterback is probably whining and moping, but J.J. Okay, is just here. like, you know what I'm going to do? I'm going to go out here and I'm going to get this first down with my legs. So props. That's our damn quarterback. Uh, let's move along, sir. Best drive or sequence. You already mentioned that second drive sequence. I wrote this down shortly after the touchdowns happened, that the first drive was the most important drive of the season. The second drive was the second most important drive of the season. But after rewatching it, are they flipped? Was the second drive secretly more important? I think that first one still is okay. just because of the wave of momentum where Michigan yeah. could like it, like struggle to get a first down just to see the ball get across the end zone. It's like a shooter being cold and just seeing one go in. It's like, right. Okay. The next one might've been good, but seeing that one go through the net felt really good. I'm fine with that. Yeah. I still had it written as the first one, but then on rewatching it, I was like, man, pulling away and getting that second one, um, you know, and then we do give up the touchdown right before the half, which, kind of even the odds mm -hmm. brings things back in but it was feeling like blood was in the water there after we go up 14-3 you and I started to get a little excited with like one more and this thing is the tipping point they don't have the offense to come back from 21-3 um and then we and then we give up a drive which we will no, talk about they didn't about have the offense to come back from 14-3 we were right <laughs> they surely did it um any other driver sequence that you wanted to touch on uh, yes, I want to talk about on the second touchdown drive, the back-to-back -back throws to Samaj Morgan. So they throw the spot pass to him on just a little wide receiver play. He he reads it wrong. He just tries to make something happen. It's what a freshman does. You still think you're the best athlete on the field like you were in high school. But like sometimes you got to follow your blocks and put your pads down. Very next play, Sharon Moore goes back to him on a tunnel screen that we haven't run all season. And he takes it for almost a touchdown. Takes it for like 17 yards on a great run follows his blockers. I love the confidence in his guys to go right back to him, knowing he can make a play and giving him a chance. I thought that was awesome. So we'll talk about some of Sharon's play calling later in this game, but I thought the second quarter was as good as, good as any quarter he's called in his career. I'm with you on that one. Yeah, the play calling was was brilliant there, especially in the second quarter when the game was very much still hanging in the balance. Needed to find a way to get some offense going there. That tunnel screen was a great call out. Uh, also, the drive, I think it was, if I have my notes correctly, the JJ rollout was right after the turnover, and that's when we went down and got three points. 
And yes. I'll just have this written in my notes that that at that point in the game right there, kind of a critical sequence, because that is the point in the game where Jim Harbaugh definitely goes for the throat. Yep. And it was a little conservative at that point. Like we said, we're going to touch on play calling and what we think about all that later. But just wanted to mention that while we're talking about those two drives, let's keep it going here. The Bredesen Winovich Award for high effort in this one. Who do you got for high effort guy on offense? On offense, I'm going with <clears throat> A.J. Barner. I thought he was incredible in this game, especially as a blocker. I mean, smothering his seal on Chop Robinson for the game ceiling touchdown. I thought he was just fantastic all day. Just very, very physical at the point of attack. It's almost like having an extra offensive lineman out there, but that he's also 6'6", 250, and can run like a gazelle with soft hands. It's such a mismatch advantage, such a compliment to Colson Loveland. Like, I, he's only been on the team, he been on the team a full year yet, and he's one of my favorite guys this season. He's been awesome, man. Every every week that I watch AJ Barner, he just rises a little higher on my favorite players list. So uh, props there on offense. I'm going to go to two guys that didn't expect to play today and came out and performed extremely well. That's Trente Jones and Miles Hinton uh, award for coming in just cold off the bench, have not really been getting a ton of runs except for straight uh, later on in the games. And they came in against the number 10 team or like not only are you going to come in, but we need you and you're going to be a, a huge focal point of what we're doing moving forward. Uh, Carson Barnhart was getting beat like he stole something in this one. And we needed the extra beef up there. So props to those guys. They acquitted themselves extremely well. Uh, youngster that showed something. They're really the only guy on offense. You already touched on Samaj Morgan with the tunnel screen. Like we said before, he's just a part of this offense now. Not a gadget addition, like a part of the offense. So excited to see what else we got for him. Any other youngsters that we really saw? I don't think there was anybody. Not offensively, no. Yeah. Okay. Uh, all right. Let's go play uh, position group by position group here. Let's start with JJ seven for eight on the day. Uh, big with his legs though. In this one, the rushing stats for JJ eight rushes, 34 yards. I know that doesn't seem that crazy, but we needed every last bit of them, including the rollout that led to the first down and eventually got us some points. So I thought this was an awesome game by JJ. Your point about him just not getting upset with his role in this and just being a team player is super well taken. Uh, I, he he was just, the energy was flawless on the side. The vibes, immaculate. Just such a good leader on the field. During the broadcast, they talked about how he was more vocal than normal, just galvanizing, leading this offense. Like the way he just, he does it so physically, man. Like, if they're not asking him to throw, we'll have him run the ball. And he's a more than a willing runner, sometimes too physical for his own good. Uh, tweaks the ankle a little bit again, gets right back up into the next play. Like, you you never think J.J.'s going to set out a play. Like, he always talks about growing up being a hockey player. He plays with that mentality. It's like, all right, next shift, I'm coming right back on. I'm coming right after it. I'm going to do whatever I have to do to get this team a win. And he continually does that, man. Like, not to get upset with his role, what he's tasked with. I mean, you're coming into this game – you're, you're in the thick of the Heisman race. This could be your Heisman moment game. Everybody's watching it. And they're like, now nah, we're going to hand the ball off 30 sometimes. And he's like, awesome. Let's do it. Let's win the game. That's all he cares about. You can't teach that. It's hard to replace, man. It's very rare to have a quarterback like J.J. It's extremely rare, extremely rare and like going to sound like a bit of an old man here. But in the era of, you know, gratification, instant gratification and, you know, everybody look at me, look at me kind of thing to be as selfless as he is. Extremely rare thing. So we got a real one with J.J. McCarthy and still played great in this one was under siege early on taking those hits. So hopefully uh, that ankle tweak that you mentioned, nothing major there. Let's keep it moving. The running backs who we already touched on. This was the best run 
running back game of the season. That's a pretty easy point out there. <laughs> Nothing uh, too critical analysis about that. Uh, but the Donovan, the Donovan touchdown um, designed to go left to center. You mentioned the cutback, him seeing that. Like once he starts seeing those, and and there's that option and. Uh, because there there was a few lanes that Donovan's missed mm-hmm. early in the season. As much as people like he's not getting opportunity, there were some opportunities that he missed. So to see him take advantage of this one, that's extremely encouraging. And for the team to not lose com- uh, confidence in him at all, nothing. They just kept feeding the ball, kept giving him opportunities, prime touches. I thought we'd see more of him as a receiver in this game. But I was more than happy to see him used as a runner, just less bumps for Corum to take. And I love it. Every time Donovan scores, Blake is so happy. And every time Blake scores, Donovan's so happy. Like one of the first guys to congratulate with them. It's just such a special backfield. It really is, man. The brotherhood there. Like they they don't just talk about it. You can tell that those guys actually just everybody on the team, the way that they talk about their camaraderie, it's special stuff. Um, let's talk about the offensive line, though. Can't talk about the running backs without talking about the offensive line. Because early on in this one, you and I were alarmed with what we were seeing with Carson Barnhart that kind of came out of nowhere for me Barnhart's been more than serviceable Barnhart's had a pretty good year this year but the you could tell the step up in speed and athleticism caught him off guard in particular and we had to come in and help so props to Sharon Moore for recognizing that being an offensive line guy I think that that was probably just like his fatherly instincts kicking in and be like, nope, we must, we must protect at all costs. Um, but yeah, kind of talk about what you saw from the offensive line early, the shift to the mammoth personnel and like some of the individual performances you saw. So starting with the pass pro, something was up. And I, I say that as either uh, Barnhart had a tell or it was just like the silent snap being on the road to where it's harder to mix up your cadence to really take away the rushers. That's one of the biggest benefits a defense has when they're playing at home. Like it's loud. So you got to go to silent count. You got to go to different things. And in college, it's not going to be as complex as in the NFL. So I think he had a beat on the edge. They were doing cool things to chop Robinson, moving him around. He and Adissa Isaac, uh, Manny Diaz did some things he hasn't done all season and just threw it at him. Looked at this right side, realized maybe he's a little slow in a set. We can get him with speed rushes. And especially if we can have a jump on the snap, I that he took advantage of it. And it was a great mismatch opportunity for them because as good as Carson Barnhart is, we've seen him last year against Ed Rushers as well, hold up on the left side and the right side. So it's like it's not like super alarming, but it's like this is a first round NFL defensive end. And like at, if they're playing at home, that's an even bigger ask from him. So they saw the mismatch. They started to exploit it. Then it was Michigan's chance to counter. They did that with the mammoth personnel and getting downhill. Like, why give them a chance to get upfield? Let's see how they can hold up in the run game. Let's pound the ball down their throat over and over again. Let's test the nation's number one rush defense just like they did last year. And as, you know, lacking as Michigan was in the past pro, they were overwhelming in running the football in this game, the rushing attack, the offensive line. It was one of probably their, their best performance all season, running the ball, facing loaded boxes over and over again. I thought the communication was excellent with Nugent and the guys inside. So it's like, you know, we let off with a negative, but it's like the 227 rushing yards is the most rushing yards allowed since Michigan did it last year. Blake's is the most by a single player against Penn state since Donovan Edwards last year with over a buck 70. Like, Credit where credit's due there, and just kind of a early mixed bag day that the offensive line quickly rectified, especially out in space. Yeah, that's great. And is now a good time to go ahead and talk about the Sharon Moore play calling? Because I think it kind of goes into the mentality shift that happened when he went with the mammoth personnel. So clearly that type of philosophy is 
it's eye-catching when you see that many, you know, you don't see a pass come after the second quarter. That's not something you're going to see generally in a top 10 matchup, particularly one where one side, the, the side that doesn't throw the ball has a Heisman contender. And we recognize that that probably isn't going to get the ball, get it done against Ohio State. But I want to talk about the decision to, to start doing that, because the more I thought about it, is it really like the biggest balls on the table maneuver? Yes that anyone's ever done ever where he's just like, okay, uh, JJ almost turned the ball over the last time we dropped back. Like that was a turnover worthy play. Let's just not do that. I don't think we need to, to throw the ball again and win this game. Like, I, but I know that you are going to have trouble scoring on our defense. So I think it was a testament to how much Sharon Moore trusted our defense that he's like, if we run the ball, we can probably get another 10 points and ice this thing out. But also, it's just like knowing your guys, knowing your group, knowing what you're capable of, knowing what your own strengths are and your own weaknesses. But it was, I think, just incredibly, incredibly bold and brazen to be that run heavy. It was just like 2021 Michigan, Ohio State. Like, same thing late in this game. In that, in the 2021 game, Michigan didn't throw a pass in the fourth quarter. They threw two the entire second half. Like this was taking it to another degree on the road, which makes it harder. It's putting the trust in the big uglies you work with. It's conservative. You're taking the life out of the game. You're forcing them to stop you. Until you're going to commit more re more resources and slow us down, we're going to keep doing it. In the second half after Michigan forced the turnover on Penn State's first drive, although they got a field goal, that was a 13-play, eight-minute and four-second drive that only took that only went 45 yards. They took the life out of this game. It's like, okay, they can't – no matter what, it's not a big play offense, so you don't have to worry about that. You are taking the game away from them. Just like the, the boa constrictor analogy is so perfect. They're just squeezing the life out of this and forcing you to change your philosophy. Like if you're not going to stop ours or change what you're doing offensively, you're not going to win this game. And Sharon Moore played a game of chicken against them and won. I love that you called out that particular drive. If you do the math on that, that is exactly three point yards per carry, which is exactly what you need in order to get a first down and three yes. plays by about two inches. So mathematically, you cannot control the clock any better than that. And, the, and think about like how fortunate Penn State was that their corner peaked back when Donovan had that run right at the end zone because he was chasing the receiver. If he doesn't look back, that's a touchdown on that drive. So, I mean, it was a great play by that corner, but just – Another drive of Sharon Moore just like bludgeoning this attack. I mean, the whole team averaged five yards a carry. So it's not like he was just running into a wall for a yard at a time. Just a relentless effort daring James Franklin to change what he does. Probably a very unpleasant day to be a Penn State defender. I can just only imagine you being think? in the fourth <laughs> quarter of that thing and be like, they're going to do it again, aren't they? And then you're like, yep, sure enough, here they come. And with Penn State's team, their their strength is speed. They're not a very big team, especially on the defensive line, but they are incredibly fast, especially at the second and third level. So you're asking, you're taking away some of their good corners and their good safeties. You're bringing in some linebackers that may not have played. You're bringing in exper inexperienced defensive tackles and defensive ends, and it's just like they're super uncomfortable. And one of my favorite things after the game, Sharon Moore talked about, this has been in the playbook since the summer. They just had this in the back pocket, just sitting in the till, ready to pull it out for this one. And man, it looked so polished and sharp. And I mean, you know me, I love some power football. So I was just like a kid in a candy shop watching a few of these final drives.
Oh, gamesmanship, baby. Yeah, I knew you were going to be excited to break down the film on this one. As soon as there was that many different run plays, I was like, oh, Andy, kid in a candy store here this week. Um, all right, so let's keep it moving. Not a ton to say on the wide receivers in this game. Roman Bolitnikov has entered the – or Roman Wilson has entered the <laughs> Bolitnikov excuse me finalist uh after a, a game where he logged zero catches but uh had some great blocking tape in this one so i'm not exactly sure about the cadence of the bolitnikov award finalist but welcome to the list roman wilson tremendous in blocking in this game staying engaged i mean i even late in the game the receivers are blocking their ass off that's very rare to see so i mean although it was a quiet day from the box score if you watch it you understand the importance in their effort and stuff like that shows up on film and that's how you get rewarded for the next game. No block, no rock. That uh, takes us to the tight ends who were also huge in the blocking game Ooh. on this day. You already mentioned A.J. Barner, who's gotten better and better. I remember week two, we're like, long way to go as a blocker. Uh, well, he has made that journey. He's there. <laughs> <laughs> he has arrived. Uh, Loveland remains a very solid blocker. And Max Bredesen in this one played a lot of snaps. And just a guy you can always count on, Bredesen up there, does the dirty work. Smaller than those other guys, too. Like, really throws his body on the line. and. The Bredesen family legacy, the lineage lives on. Max Bredesen just like wakes up and chews glass. Like that kid is yeah. so tough, so instrumental. And like while he's a little bit like smaller than Barner and Loveland, it's it's only really in height. He's 6'2", 240. Like he's not a little fella. Like he's 10 pounds lighter than A.J. Barner. It might be four inches shorter. So just a ball of muscle running at these people and just like – especially on Coram's first touchdown on the power play. He is just obliterating people, just seeking violence. And it's so fun to watch. Uh, fights with the strength of 10 full grown men, Max Bredesen, at least uh, anything else on the offense that you wanted to touch on, sir? Uh, no, I think, I think that was it. Uh, I said one of Trevor Keegan's best games. I think that was one of the last points I wanted to make really cleaned up some things that plagued him last season. And I love to see that improvement. Yeah, one thing I'll add, and we will certainly go into this in the second part of the week, um, and probably more likely next week, because we're not going to know exactly what's going on with the Harbaugh situation. Um, the play calling from Sharon Moore was all in all excellent. Like, but you yeah. got to really go into the nuance to see what he's doing, and you got to be a ball knower on on Andy's level to be like why it, it was so good. But I can understand if you were like the cadence of the run versus pass options or the balance of it looked a little bit off, and I would. Would be surprised if that's what you see against Ohio State, but it was there on this day against Penn State. So that's you take what's on the table. It's it's one of those things where you're taking over, you know, an hour and a half officially before the game, and it's like you're driving somebody else's car. You like you, you want to go fast, but you don't want to go too fast. You don't want to you know take any chances that you might in yours. But then like when you get in your car, you're ready to take off. You're you're switching lanes. You might run a little red light, roll through a stop, do something like that. Take those risks. So if Sharon Moore is tasked with carrying this team the next two weeks, he's going to have to understand that this is his car now in the short term, and he's going to have to take a few risks if he's going to beat Ohio State. 100%, sir. Very well said. All right, let's take a break. When we come back, we'll move over to the defense. We've got some other quick hits, some news that we want to touch on, and yeah, a lot more coming up right after this. This episode is sponsored by BetterHelp. We all carry around different stressors in life, whether they be big, small, or anywhere in between. And when we keep those bottled up, it can start to affect us in a negative way. 
Therapy is a safe space to get things off your chest and to figure out how to work through whatever's weighing you down. If you're thinking of starting therapy, give BetterHelp a try. It's entirely online, designed to be convenient, flexible, and suited to your schedule. Just fill out a brief questionnaire to get matched up with a licensed therapist, and if for some reason that therapist isn't working out for you, you can switch at any time for no additional charge. Get life's challenges off your chest with BetterHelp. Visit BetterHelp.com slash Block M to get 10% off your first month. That's BetterHelp, H-E-L-P dot com slash Block M. Lucky Land Casino, asking people, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kid's PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. All right. We are back. We are righteous men. College football remains very good. We are breaking down what we saw against Penn State last weekend in the 25-14, or excuse me, 24-15 victory Michigan over Penn State. Moving over to the defense, we start with who popped most, the man of the match. I was telling you off air, I still don't know who I was going to pick for this one because there's a lot of names that could be mentioned here. Uh, It's hard to get this one wrong. I mean... I thought Junior Colson was tremendous. I thought Barrett, Houseman. I could name pretty much everybody on the defense and be like, wow, that was an outstanding performance. Uh, because of adjustments and things like that, I'm going to give it to Jesse Minter. It's kind of a cop-out, but it's like what he did in the road environment here against an offense that really hit its stride last week against Maryland. I mean, Drew Aller coming off his best career game, both running backs playing well. The offensive line played phenomenal in the first half. Mentor makes his adjustments, changes some things up, and the the fourth down blitz late in the game that set up the quorum run, I just thought was was masterful. So Jesse Mentor, my man of the match. I love it. There's going to be no pushback here. I will give an actual player just to not cop out, but uh, I, I respect what you did there. I'm going to give it to Rayshon Benny for the yeah. turnover. Every now and again, there's just one turnover that really cements itself that you're going to remember that one play. I'm starting to think that the Benny Macari Page turnover is that moment um sorry to spoil swinging doors moment but it's the only turnover of the game that is 100 the swinging doors moment for this defense rayshon benny getting his hand in there poking that ball free um and then makari page being johnny on the spot great makari page game um real showed up in this one more so than just not making mistakes was very active as well you mentioned mike barrett who certainly gets the sound bite of the day with yes. uh, be careful who you make a villain uh which is going to be my freaking ringtone now um, but I'm going to give it to Benny, just the guy we don't talk about that much. One of the many defensive tackles who you trust as a rotational guy, but looked more than rotational. And this one looked like a guy that could be in line for more minutes. I don't know whose minutes you give him because we're too loaded there, but he's he's solid, man. Him and Cam Good played well. The leading tacklers in this game from the defensive tackle position were in order. Kenneth Grant, Cam Good, Rayshon Benny. I think it was a concerted effort to try to take Mason Graham and Chris Jenkins out of this game, but they just forgot we got more bulls waiting in the pen and they just kept coming at them and they did the most with their opportunities. And it was 
awesome to see. Rayshon Benny, man, like continually shows up in these big games. Did it against Ohio State last year, forcing an errant CJ Stroud play to force an interception. And this one reaching over from across and making that effort to get that ball out of Aller's hands. That was Aller's last run of the day. By the way, he wanted no yep. more part of Rayshon Betty. So just a tremendous game-changing type of play. Yeah, and you and I, I think we texted. We're, we're usually right on top of these things. We'll text something, and then like a sequence later, it will happen. I think we texted each other, like, how many hits are they going to let Aller take? And then it was like the next sequence. We're like, and there it is right there. <laughs> um, it was not sustainable with what they were doing with, with Drew Lar. And granted, JJ took some hits in this one as well. But yeah, they, they certainly made him, to, to quote Don Brown, they made him feel him. Um Best drive or sequence. Um, so that swinging doors moment, uh, you know, as far as moment, but sequence about the flea flicker. They decide to run the flea flicker, and it's something that's been uh, used a lot more. I think Michigan started a little bit of a trend with the flea flicker, but the discipline from our corners to not bite on that. Uh, and then we were able to get pressure on it. So, I mean, it's kind of a slow developing play. We're able to get pressure. Not only do our corners stay put, but then we also draw the intentional grounding on that, get off the field on that one i thought that was a key play as well that's the yeah that final drive right before the michigan score um it's kind of going to go into special teams though like so it starts off with michigan punting deep from their own in their own territory they punt it uh, a nice little return there michigan covers it pretty well but they get a holding penalty which knocks it back from starting in michigan territory to starting back inside their own 30 and then it's fake flea flicker it's four and out that fourth down play call with the simulated pressure where Drew Aller threw it nice right on the right on the money to just like a nice spot of grass. Like he just found it. He's like, <laughs> I'm gonna throw it right there. And he put it right there. And then the next play, Michigan scores and it's 24-9. And we put the women and children to bed. Like that drive was just textbook Jesse Minter in the second half. That was a hell of a spot of grass he did pick out, though. I mean, there it was, was a nice truly, spot. I see it. Truly nothing there. I mean, you could have had a picnic in that spot. Not exactly sure what that was. There had to have been a miscommunication on that, but it was like, all right, game's on the line. What are you drawing up? And it was like, oh, no, that wasn't very dramatic. Uh, yeah, they, they couldn't even put it together enough to make it a, a dramatic ending at the finish, but I was fine with it at that point. My heart had taken enough. Um, anything else that you wanted to touch on for best driver sequence? No, that was it. Oh, 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 yeah. Actually, I do. Um, five plays inside the five yard line and hold him to a field goal on their yeah. uh, first scoring drive. That has to be up there for sequence. First, first time, time it happened all season. Yeah, first time Michigan's defended a play inside its own ten this year. Uh, they get it. They get a first down on the four yard line or the three yard line, and it's like they had three plays there. They had two before it. They give up nothing. Not an inch. Tri- rough. Freshman Trey Pierce is getting reps there. We have all the big bodies out. All the shifts, communications. Oh man, that was that was awesome to see. The first time they're tested, backs against the wall, and they hold up. Absolutely huge stand. Junior Colson had a big play yes. in that one. Just man, yeah, that was great. Great call out on that one. That needed to be adjusted. Um, and that also goes into our youngsters. Uh, Trey Pierce, the yep. only one that I mean, I'm not sure how how old is Rayshon Benny, but I mean, young as far Third as. Yeah, his third year, so he doesn't count anymore. Yeah, I don't think there was anybody else that uh, House that really call made... a sophomore. Yeah, that, that's it for youngsters. Nobody else. This was uh this was the adults table today. We needed we needed the man's grown game. man out there. Yeah, we need the grown folks out there for this one. So you'll get your chance against Maryland. The uh, the competition ticks back down. Um 
Bredesen Winovich Award for high effort. Everybody, everybody <laughs> on this defense, like everybody was giving it all. But the I think it's got to go to the Kenneth Grant rundown of Katron Allen, like making its way around social media. The the I mean, this is the play of a freak. Only a freak would be able to do this. That is circus stuff by Kenneth Grant. A hundred percent. That's the play. Also, uh, Will Johnson following pretty much following Quintez Cephas the whole game just not leaving yeah. Cephas at all. Like if you watch their two point attempt, they're trying to get him on the backside through picks. I can't and believe stuff. that that's what you draw up. <laughs> Will Johnson has him blanketed uh, the fade route in the end zone, a pretty decent ball from Aller, but Will Johnson just right there to get his hand and break things up. Just outstanding job by Will Johnson, and this entire team, but you hit the nail on the headband. Kenneth Grant chasing down Catron Allen. Like, I can't imagine what that feels like, like how hard he grabbed him and threw him down to. I kind of felt bad for Alan. Yeah, I mean, we're going to have to maybe reach out to folks that have survived bear attacks in order <laughs> to figure out like what that's like. Because like I don't the think there's any. Anything... Yeah, I was going to say it was more violent than that. Yeah, I don't know anything that's comparable um, other than maybe like a rollover accident in a in an SUV or a, a bear mauling. But yeah, that had to have been brutal. Yeah, I mean, that's that alone, that kind of stuff is going to show up on NFL tape and yeah. you're going to get drafted. I mean, that guy's going to be a first round draft pick. Just absolutely insane stuff from Kenneth Grant. He gets our Bredesen Winovich Award for high effort on defense. Uh, side note, before I get, uh, I forget about, this the fox broadcast was awful it is awful oh my god like i re-watching it was so much better because i could fast forward through all those commercials like the pace of it all was so thrown off man like um yeah that that's just a side note but it needed to be mentioned next two weeks were big noon kickoff as well so hey all right well there we go <laughs> tee up some motorola commercials looking forward to it all right sir uh let's go position by position group we've already talked a lot about the defensive line uh mason graham and this one doing mason graham things the fourth down stop he does another like i don't understand how your body moves like that wrestling kind of move is able to like slide sideways and get his body it's very difficult to explain because nobody else really moves like that from the defensive tackle position. He's very creative in the ways that he fills space. Creative is the way to put it. Like that's exactly what he is. Uh, defensive tackles in this game were just phenomenal. Like is the edges were kind of neutralized a little bit. There wasn't really a lot of true pressure opportunities from the edge with so many limited passing attempts, but the defensive interior was just really good at this game. Even when they would lose a rep, it was like, okay, let's get right back to it and they'd keep rotating the bodies, and they stayed fresh throughout, and I think that paid dividends late in this one. You don't get Kenneth Grant chasing down Katron Allen without having a steady rotation. Yeah, that's a very good point. Yeah, he was obviously still fresh in there, and the rotation really, really paid dividends here. We knew we'd be able to see that eventually when we played a fourth quarter on defense, and really were able to see that, and that showed up against Penn State, underrated part of this victory as well. Um, I think maybe... I can finally say this, and, and we'll see how you think. Harrell and McGregor have possibly separated as, as the more consistent defensive ends, or is it maybe just because they're getting on the field slightly more, and that's why I think that. But I think maybe if you had to pick, I mean, they, they're the first two to run out there usually. So maybe I'm just kind of reading into that, the, the trust that they have a little bit older than those other guys as well, a little bit more time in the system. I think we can finally at least say that McGregor and Harrell are your one and your two. It, uh, it could be, but I mean, McGregor's the only one of the four rotational guys that didn't register a stat in this game. 
I still thought it was a good McGregor game too, which is weird. He still shows up. He, he's, he still does stuff. Yeah. He's big. Yeah. I mean, you can't just box score watch to understand his importance. I would say Harold more so than McGregor has separated. I think Harold does a lot of things, especially in coverages and understanding windows and just different things like that. I think, I mean, it's not a big gap. And then it's like the McGregor, Josiah, love the pass rush set. That's Josiah Stewart in just a true pass rushing sense. But I think all four are still so close in this realm that it doesn't matter who's out there on any given run. I never once looked in this game and was like, oh, man, we have that guy out there instead of this guy rushing. That's such a disadvantage. And I think that speaks volumes to the depth of that room. Yeah, we've come a long way from me seeing McGregor Trout on the field say, sweet, he's out there. <laughs> just the defeat when you said that last year in a game. And then all, I mean, all it takes is you just sliding somebody once and they have their best best game. So before Ohio State next week, I need you just trashing everybody or something. Yeah, I'm going to be trashing the team just to try <laughs> to get the, pull the best out of everyone. Just know I don't mean it. I love you all. Uh, anything else on the defensive line, sir? No, let's keep it moving. Linebackers, great linebacker game. They're not going to really pop out on the stat sheet, but this was more of like an actual box score that you might see compared to what you've seen from our linebackers up in this season. Junior Colson playing with the club on his hand too. Very difficult for a linebacker. I think you assume linebacker, all you're doing is tackling, but it's a lot of getting off of blocks and that requires both hands. It's a little bit more intricate than brute force. And I thought he did a great job adjusting to that. I already mentioned Mike Barrett just rising in the ranks of my favorite favorite Wolverines that guy has played a ton a ton of snaps uh third leading tackler in this one behind Makari Page number one my guy and Rod Moore but this was a great linebacker game Hausman showed up more I think in this one than he has yep. in other ones and and obviously that's going to happen when they run the ball like they did in this one I mean they had 35 carries themselves so it makes sense that the linebackers would pop but great linebacker day all in all just I don't think it can be overstated how important it was to get Chris Partridge in there over George Hilo. He is just mm -hmm. such a better position coach. I mean, we won't even get into the recruiting aspect of it, but they're just so much better coach this year with their run fit, with their communication, with everything they're doing. Like last year at times, if you go back and like, it's still kind of tough to see if you don't know what you're looking for. They are out of place on so many plays. Like it's a lot of hero ball. It's a lot of freelancing. It's a lot of just, misdiagnosing what's happening in front of them, not understanding block structure and things like that. This year, that's not the case. Like, yeah, they're going to have their lumps. Everybody does in the run game, but it's like overall, just time and time again, they're making big plays. Both were used tremendously as blitzers in this game as well. I think it's one of the most improved parts of Junior Colson's game this season is him as a blitzer. So they're used all up and down the line of scrimmage. I thought it was really good. And like without them, I think Penn State has a chance to kind of like we're down this team a little bit with running the football some more, but it's like they continually showed up. Like it's not going to jump at you at the box score with Junior Colson having like three tackles and Barrett having what four for, sorry, excuse me, five. So very well-rounded group houseman with a key third down stop. I just, I love what I saw from that group today or on Saturday. I'm with you. And this was the first time that all three of them have really been tasked with playing an entire game and really leaving their mark on that game. And I thought that they did so admirably. We'll certainly remember their performance and oh, the Mike Barrett, the Mike Barrett quote is, is probably my favorite part of any linebacker from this whole thing. And, and also shout out to his dad, very uh, engaging on Twitter. Enjoyed yes. talking to him 
Yeah, good guy. Uh, let's move to the uh, the secondary here, the cornerbacks. I love that you brought up uh, trying to challenge Will Johnson for the the two point conversion upon rewatch. That was something that I had in my notes. Like, thank you for doing that. Thank you for dialing that up. I'm not positive why that would be the best thing that you could come up with. Um, but the secondary, and we can do safeties and cornerbacks here, were really involved in this one, despite the fact that they didn't throw the ball a lot. Uh, Quentin Johnson had an interception that was taken off. It, he didn't intercept it, but man, that would have been the icing on the cake, was hoping that we were able to land that. Uh, Makari Page, as we already mentioned, gets the fumble recovery, so they were certainly showing up in this one. Tell me about what you saw from the secondary. Uh, the best game all season. I mean, it was tremendous all around and the confidence they have in this. There was one play early on where Bakari Page was shown as a blitzer and Penn State did a lot of cool things with their snap count. But again, you're at home, so you're afforded this luxury. They saw it coming. They looked at the sidelines. They changed the play and they set it up to where they're going to have a numbers advantage. So they're going to test the perimeter. So Bakari Page still comes on the blitz. Michigan doesn't audible out of it because they have so much trust in their guys. They throw it out there. Rodmore flies down from 12 yards beyond the line of scrimmage and makes a tackle for loss one-on-one. -on -one, if he misses it, they have a chance to break that for a touchdown. All that's standing in between them, I believe, is Quentin Johnson. That's it. I'm like, I love Quentin Johnson, but I'm not going to put him in that kind of situation. But Rodmore made the tackle. He was trusted. They were coming downhill with confidence in this game. You already talked about Macari Page coming downhill to make the fumble recovery. Josh Wallace playing injured in this game in a high-leverage High-pressure situation, being physical, getting nasty with these guys. I mean, just completely took out the Penn State passing game, even without the threat of a reliable pass rush. I thought it was their by far best game of the season. Rod Moore looked 100%, Macari Page 100%, Will Johnson 100%. I can't say enough good things, and Mikey Sainer still as well. Like, maybe you want to point to the giving up the fourth down. He's guarding the slot fate. He did the right thing, did everything technically. Sometimes you just lose a rep. It's okay. I thought he was tremendous in this game. Yeah, I had that one written down as well. Uh, worried about the slot fade. You're talking about the fourth down conversion to uh, yeah, yeah to like their fourth guy and out six, I think. Yeah, out there in the on the out route. Yeah, where if you don't, if if you go the other way and you get your shoulders going the other way and he goes up on you, then that, yeah, that's like that's a touchdown. A touchdown. Yeah. So he went the other way on that one. I'm not going to hate on that. Look, this is an NFL secondary. That's that's something yeah. that I had written down watching this with Rod Moore being back at full health and that play that you mentioned. That's incredible stuff by Rod Moore and just I never doubted it when I saw. You, it yeah, nine. you said it well, best during the game. You were like. I have no no fear of that at all. Yeah, when I see it's nine closing, I mean, I trust seven closing too, but those safeties, like when you see them with a bead on a guy, you expect them to make that tackle. Incredible tackling secondary. Didn't really get tested with too much, too much, too much through the air, excuse me. But when they did, they showed up. Great Josh Wallace game. I agree with you. This was the best secondary game thus far this year. I'm not going to push back on that one, despite the fact that there was only, what, 22 pass attempts by law or something like that, and most of those coming in garbage time, garbage time, late in the game of this one where the, the outcome was essentially determined. But it was awesome, man. And for the Macari Page truthers, such as myself, uh, I wouldn't say that I was out on an island, but, I mean, we were at the end of a cul-de-sac, me and a couple other folks down there having cookouts, blaring the music as loud as we want but everyone is welcome at the end of the block it was a nice party for you again showing up in the big spots man like he has he and rod moore he talked about this in the post game have such a good chemistry together like they understand what the guy's going to do without having to communicate it like they've played so so much ball together i mean this is 
Rod Moore's two-year anniversary of becoming a starter. His first career start was at Penn State in 2021 as a true freshman. He and McCarry have just earned so much trust between each other, as the whole secondary has. Like We still saw a little Quentin Johnson. We still saw a little bit of Keon Sad. But like you said earlier, this, this was the man's game. This was having all the big five in the back end, and you couldn't have asked for a better showing from all of them. Yep, and getting healthy at the right time. Yep. Maryland and Ohio State to finish this out. Uh, Maryland, not quite the passing attack that we thought it was going to be, but certainly those receivers down at Ohio State looking forward to that matchup. Can't wait. We got a couple invites out for some, hopefully, some special guests for that week. Can't tease it yet till we get the confirmation, but got some stuff in the works for that one. Uh, before we get to special teams, special teams breakdown is brought to you by Manscaped. Every man knows how scary it can get when going for a close shave below the belt. That's why I trust Manscaped for all my sensitive areas. Their newest package contains the Lawnmower 5.0 Ultra. Their fifth generation trimmer features two interchangeable next gen skin safe blade heads, a standard one for taking a little off the top, and a new foil blade to go smooth wherever your heart desires. It also has a dual LED spotlight to provide contrast on multiple skin tones, three length setting combs, and perhaps best of all, it's waterproof. Also included is a travel case and even a travel lock feature to avoid any accidental powering on or off or weird looks in the airport. Join the 5 million men worldwide who trust Manscaped for all their grooming needs and use the promo code BLOCKM20 to get free shipping and 20% off at your order. Head to manscaped.com and use that promo code BLOCKM20 at checkout for 20% off of your entire order. All right, sir, let's talk special teams here. We said it was going to be an important special teams day, and to some degree it was. Had the uh, the James Turner field goal after the brilliant eight and a half minute drive that only covered 40, 45 yards. I mean, that is the right. stuff of legend right there. Uh, but Tommy Doman in this one, Tommy Doman showed up, baby. Doman, the showman, a.k.a. the weapon. Just so much was cleaned up in this game because like a lot of people have a short term memory and forget how awful our punt return coverage was last uh, – our punt return unit was last week against Purdue with, I mean, uh, <laughs> with Tyler Morris's gaff or with Jake Thal getting taken out by his own man on a punt. Mm-hmm. Like, this game, everything was cleaned up. You could tell Jay Harbaugh had them all locked in across the board. Like, one, they should have gotten the penalty on running into the kicker early in this game. The guy was not blocked. He just right. dove into his leg, so that was kind of stupid. But Doman was incredible with his punts. The punt, uh, the punt coverage, man, was so excellent against such a dangerous returner in Daquan Hardy. We haven't punted to a guy that electric this season, so I thought everything was good there. Turner with his first pressure kick of the year, nails. Didn't matter. I know it was short, but it's still that's a high pressure situation. Needed those points. He was excellent. Doman, man, that's just. Oh, God, it was excellent. And Jake Thaw, the punt return, very, very consistent in this one. So I liked everything I saw from the like, from the special teams. Like, didn't make the big play, but they didn't make the big play the other way, which could have been devastating. Exactly. Yeah, James Turner hits one from 22. Not that long, but, you know, it's what we needed. Jake Thaw, three punt returns for seven yards. Okay, you know, I get it. Nothing too crazy, but didn't turn the ball over. Was shorthanded. That's all we needed in this one. And then Doman, um, 
five punts, 149 yards. That's only an average of 30, but the, the long one, the 45 yarder that he put down at the 12, that's what you want to do. Give them a long field, did what he needed to do. So he's been great this season. Uh, their, their punter, Riley Thompson was also kind of a beast. Uh, I think yeah. he averaged 50, 50 yards a punt too. So I love that this has just become something that we're always checking in on now as the, the hair starts to turn gray punts become way more appealing. When Dobin was out there, I was like, I mean, I was a little bummed. The offense was dumb, but I'm like, okay, let's pin him back. Dobin minutes. <laughs> field we, we thought field position was at a premium in this game, and it will be against sure Ohio was. State as well. So having a punt coverage unit that you feel so comfortable in is such a valuable asset. Yeah, and it's probably going to be Jake Thaw the rest of the way returning yeah. kicks. A little bit of a bummer that no one stepped up. Um, I think that there's going to be a, an interesting competition for that role next year. I think guys like Samaj Morgan, certainly, as they get a little bit more experience, a little bit more trust, could insert themselves into a competition like that. But it's good to have Jake Thaw. Um, it's great that James Turner has been as reliable as he has been, and Tommy Doman's really emerged for this team. So special teams, while we've, I wouldn't say we've lamented it, we've been a little bit critical because we're, there's not much else to be critical of. Um, great day for them against Penn state, sir. Anything else you want to talk on big picture about this game, anything at all other than, uh, you know, what we've covered up to this point. It just, it can't be harped on enough. Like what this moment meant to this team moving forward and what it meant. Like it was, Quorum talked about in his post game, like, this is why I came back. I didn't come back for stats. I didn't come back for personal accolade. I came back to win. And, like, this was just a winning performance by everybody doing their part, their 111th on offense, on defense, on special teams, facing adversity a little bit for the first time all year, and then just sticking to what they do best. And I love that they found a way to win, faced all that adversity the night before. You and I were both very fearful, like, it's a, a TV executive about to cost the best Michigan team we have covered – a chance at a national championship and a big 10 championship. Like it just felt so wrong. And just to see them rally around each other, rally around Sharon Moore and get the win this way. Like it's just, I can't stress it enough how important and how special it was. Look, and if you had any questions about how important this was and where this victory ranks and, and what it means to everyone, just go back and watch Sharon Moore's post-game interview and that emotion that's running free. And like I, I've seen a lot of people hating on him, like, oh, we're crying for this now. The same, they can go to hell. Yeah, those same people are like, oh, men are afraid to express their feelings. Like, have you, I mean, why was it all right when Michael Jordan cried over the trophy? Like, dudes cry in sports and especially when it's at this highest level. And I don't know if you've ever really tried for anything in your life and tried to do something important, you know, that emotions can, are a part of it. So I thought it was incredible. The the love that he showed to coach Harbaugh, the love that he showed to the players, the university getting throwing Santa Ono in there and his love for the president. Like you said, man, just extremely galvanizing and just an important piece of Michigan history. Um, I'm not exactly ready to rank it yet, but my early thoughts were like, this was just, just right behind the 2021 Michigan-Ohio State game and maybe last year's Michigan-Ohio State game in terms of recent games and their importance to the program. I would even, like, not Ohio State games. It's clearing everything. Like, let's full, like, full stop. It clears all of those. And I think even knowing how, like, losing, like, Ohio State lost that game last year and still made the playoff. It's like if Michigan loses this game this past weekend, there is no playoff because even if Michigan beats Ohio State, Penn State's going to be ranked higher and get the tiebreaker, go to the Big Ten Championship, and it's going to be left in the cold. So it's like 
I think it's right in that conversation. I could sandwich it between them there, but it's like that's that's the level we're talking about with this game. It was so important. A hundred percent, man. Yeah, it's it, at this point, it's win out to get in. There's too many other one loss yep. teams. There's opportunities for, yeah, an undefeated Florida State to steal one of those spots. Um, there could be a one loss Georgia and then a one loss Alabama as SEC champion. Like you got to win them all to get in. So this game was extremely important. Could not drop this one. All of our hopes were riding on it. And under those circumstances to come out and get a win. Sharon Moore, what do you want? A statue? You want a plaque? You want like a burger named after you? Like you just say it, man. Like it, we got you. Michigan faithful will have your back forever after a win of that magnitude on the road backs up against the wall. Michigan versus everybody. Just extremely proud to be a Michigan Michigan fan and, uh, you know, extremely proud to, to do a podcast about this particular team that I just love to watch. 10-0 for the second time in a season, man. Haven't lost a Big Ten game since October of 2021. These are the good times. Was, yeah, I don't even remember who I was back then. So what was like, who, what was, who remembers that? Yeah, yeah, what was number one of the billboard charts? Was that like Usher? Like, that was way back then. <laughs> they get <could> meatloaf? <laughs> <laughs> meatloaf? That Phil Collins back then? Who we got there? Oh, sir. All right. We've got some quick hits. We got some other stuff that we wanted to touch on this week. We got a second podcast that will be coming out later this week. But for now, let's get through these. There's quite a bit to hit on here. Start at the top. Happy retirement. Brady Hoke announced that this will be his last season coaching at San Diego State. Got to see a lot of pouring outpouring from some of the former players. Saw some Khalid Hill and Channing Stribling talking about just how much he meant to them and how much they loved him. I think just a guy that we all really wanted to work at Michigan and nobody wishes any ill will on. So congratulations to Brady Hoke for a great career. Kind of surprised he's calling it quits, but go enjoy your life, sir. You've earned it. Yeah, exactly. I mean, no, no, no bad things to say about Brady Hoke. Just didn't work out here. Some coaches are just better at a smaller level and he has been done wonderful things at San Diego state. Like always liked the guy, always rooted for him. It sucked and had to be critical about him at times. He just felt kind of dirty. It's like, I want you to be good, but you know, Glad he's had success where he's had it and glad he's going to get it retired now and enjoy the rest of his life. Yep. I'm with you, sir. Uh, Michigan hockey. Want to cook? Oh God. Oh man. It's this, it's so frustrating. Um, this is the best two period team in the country, like flat out for two periods. No one is beating this team. They are just electric. But again, in the first game against Minnesota last weekend, Hey, got a nice little lead here. Be a shame if we squandered it. Going into the third period, blow a one-goal lead, end up losing in regulation, get no points. Second game, finally some signs of life. Blow a one-goal lead again in the third period, but take it to OT, go to the shootout, get the extra point in the shootout. So it was only a a two-point deficit instead of what could have been six. So getting it together slowly, it's just like this team needs to find a way to close. Plays Penn State this coming weekend, a great chance to just pound them into submission and get a win over one of the bottom feeding teams in the big 10, get something going towards the winter break, but team's special, man. They do have some really good pieces. Like it was three straight one goal losses to the number one team in the country and to the number six team in the country. Like they're really putting it together. They're very competitive. They just need about a period or about 10 more minutes of high level hockey and they could string something together in the spring. 
going to be about being their best or playing their best hockey at the right time, I think. So they still yeah. got some time to get it together there. Who do you think's in line to win the Calder this year? Oh, you, uh, Calder or, excuse me. The, Baker? Yeah. The, uh, yeah, the Hubie Baker, excuse me. Uh, it's probably, uh, probably a kid from BU Lane Hudson. I mean, they're, they're good. They could go with, um, one of the Wisconsin kids. I forget his name. It's an electric name, but he's up there. I mean, Rucker McGrory, Seamus Casey could have a chance. I believe Seamus Casey still leads all defensemen in the country in scoring. Rucker McGrory's right in there. But this team is fun, man. Like last week entering the game, Michigan had five players in the top nine in scoring in the country. <laughs> like just well balanced up and down the up and down the roster. So some things you can do there. But if I had to pick one, it's probably gonna be Lane Hudson. He's an outstanding defenseman for BU. Okay. All right. Interesting. Don't know who that is, but I'm gonna trust you on that. Uh, let's keep it moving, sir. Um, where was I at here? Oh, the Lions update. We're able to pull out a win over the Chargers. That's currently putting them at seven and two. Are the Lions a danger to go to the Super Bowl? If they have home field advantage, man, I don't know. Should we start to adjust here? I I think it's the conversation begins now because one, you talk about home field, and two, you talk about health. You look at the 49ers are chronically injured, losing people up and down the roster. Again, you're going to have they Brock Purdy in a high-pressure situation. The Cowboys can't beat a team with a winning record. Like, things are lining up. And, like, if Michigan can – not Michigan, excuse me. If the Lions can get a few answers defensively and things they can do in this, find a little bit more consistency and just get hot at the right time, similar to we talked about with the Michigan hockey team, they're going to be dangerous because this offense is going to put up points. And if you're keeping them in a dome – it could be very 2009 Saintsy, where it's like the weather elements aren't going to be a factor all the way to the Super Bowl. So I think you get that one seed. I mean, look out now. I mean, that's you're two wins away from the Super Bowl at that point. That's it. That's wild, wild statement that I don't think is completely out of pocket here. They've really answered all questions. They've they've cleared a lot of the doubts that we had about them. And one thing that is absolutely very real is this fan base and the support that they have behind them. I mean, it is just Honolulu blue everywhere that they go on the road. And obviously in Detroit as well, it's like impossible to get a hold of a ticket to go to a game. So I just can't imagine what a playoff game at Ford Field is going to be like. It's going to show up on the Richter scale so extremely exciting stuff um, obviously with health that's going to be key but they're healthy at the running back position and they're getting healthy on the offensive line and that much like Michigan is what they want their true identity to be even though Jared Goff and Amon Ra St. Brown are having a hell of a year exciting exciting stuff man like can't wait to see where we end up I wasn't even able to watch this last game uh, wasn't on my in my television market which was annoying but be up there for Thanksgiving and and certainly looking forward to watching that game back in the Michigan area. Looking forward to that. We'll be there for the Michigan-Ohio State game as well. So already looking at my bags packed over in the corner. I'm, I'm ready to go, man. Ready to get back up and watch some football. Um, I wanted to give a quick update on Detroit Pistons' Asar Thompson. Um, what's happening with this dude does not make sense. It is unreal. He's the best rebounder for his size already in the NBA. He's, where is he? He's currently 14th or he's top 10. Yeah. He's like top 10 in the NBA and rebounding after last night's. This is the, yeah, I didn't take in the 16 rebound game, 16 re rebound performance he had last night, but he's 10th in the NBA in block per games. Like everybody that's 
also with him in the top 10 in blocks and rebounds is a center. And then it's him at six, seven, like they got their next Dennis Rodman. They got him at fifth in the draft. It's unreal what this dude is doing, man. Check him out. If you get a chance. It's insane that you got that kind of value where you got him. And a lot of people were thinking that the Pistons got the, the lesser Thompson at the time. I remember there was a big question about what he could do. They knew he was the shooter, but it's like, well, does he have the explosiveness, the athleticism to really translate to here? And the fact that he's doing everything right from shooting to rebounding to defending is really encouraging about his ceiling. It, I don't know what his ceiling is. Like if he gets a shot, if he gets a handle, it's Paul George and then some, I don't even know, man. It's, it's incredible what he's doing. Um, as of right now, he's kind of like a less offensively inclined Mikel Bridges, like, but maybe better on defense. I don't even know. Cause he's hyper, hyper athletic. It's I've never seen anything like it. It's extremely exciting, even though the team itself is struggling a little bit right now. So long way to go for the team, but exciting stuff for what the Pistons are building long term. Let's touch on Michigan basketball. Put this here at the back, because as we were recording this, there is a game going on. It is 38 48 and Nabari Burnett is apparently the best basketball player on the planet. He's on pace for 42 four and two. As of right now, uh, we're going to have to to log out here and go watch this Michigan up by 10 on St. John's right now. What have you seen from this Michigan basketball team so far? Um, I've been about as down as anybody in the media circle regarding Michigan basketball this year. And I, I'm kind of taken aback at this juncture. Like, it just seems like they're having fun. That's what it seems like to me. It jumps out to me like they're running more. They're getting up and down. Like the style has 100% changed with what they want to do. And it just seems like everybody's having fun playing with each other. Maybe there's huge Ewing theory potential with Hunter Dickinson. Oh, man. Massive Ewing theory potential yeah. here. Just, I mean, I, I caught some of the UNC Asheville game, caught a little bit of the Youngstown State game. And it's just consistently that they're having fun out there. The ball is moving. They're using their athleticism. They have – flexible wings to do different things with it feels like a different player's taking over doug mcdaniel's taking a step this season will cheddar is taking a step like i like it's just it's it's kind of just mind-blowing right now i'm trying to temper my expectations a little bit but i love to see how much fun this team is having because that can really unlock something for them long term absolutely uh if for those of you that don't know the ewing theory is a theory proposed by bill simmons that after Patrick Ewing left the Knicks, right, that they were actually going to get better. Because, well, I think like, he got hurt or something, and then that year they made the NBA Finals in 99. Right, right, because it just – you have to play a certain way around your best player, yeah. and them going out of the lineup unlocks all these interesting things and actually secretly makes you better. So we're saying that with the Hunter Dickinson thing because we're like, there's no way you get better after lo losing this guy. But what it's unlocked is a better looking brand of basketball. So I'm extremely encouraged. I can't wait to watch the second half of the St. John's game, learn a little bit more about this team. By far, this will be the toughest competition that they've faced all season. So cautiously cautiously optimistic but if nothing else it could be a lot more fun than we were anticipating and uh will shedder leading the big 10 in field goal percentage olivier and kamwa right behind him at 78 percent um shedder's at 85 percent field goals i mean just had a Jesus. lights out i mean he had a monster yeah. game last week we'll see how sustainable that is but yeah man i'm excited excited to tune in 
It's yeah, it's it's nice that at least no matter what, this team is going to be fun to watch. Like, there's nothing worse than watching a mediocre team that plays a ugly, bad style of basketball, and that's what it was last season. It was just such a struggle to watch towards the end of the year. I know you were feeling it. You're more of the basketball guy between us, and you like flexible wings. You like doing cool things, and it was like, oh, sweet, we're gonna feed into a double team again. Oh, we're gonna turn it over here. That's I love. I'm loving this. So now that they're they're running, it's getting up and down. Like, I mean, credit to Juwan, uh, credit to Phil Martelli for like making these adjustments with this roster. And I'm excited to see where it pans out, man. I'm kind of they're they're pulling me back in just as soon as I was out. So excited to see where it goes. Yeah, absolutely, man. And more good news for the basketball team. They got a commitment today from a five-star 2025 five-star Connie Roos. Great name. 6'8", true 3 and D type of wing. Uh, very, I mean, the exact kind of guy that I like to watch, like you were just saying. So that's a great pull for them. Falls right behind only Caleb Houston and Musa Diabate as far as highest-ranked recruits of the Juwan Howard era. So this is a big get. And I'm more excited for this guy than, I mean, I was pretty excited about Musa Diabate. I won't lie about that, but I already am more excited uh, for this guy than Caleb Houston because he plays defense. So yeah. excited to see him yeah, get, get into the maize and blue. That's a great pickup for Jawan Howard. And, um, you know, things were not looking great for Jawan Howard. We were talking like, will he survive the end of last season? And you and I probably more realistically said this was the season to watch, but I mean, he can he can really turn things around with a good year this year, and it doesn't even have to be the most wildly successful on the court. But a couple good recruiting wins, an interesting season, more competitive than you should be in in some big games, and and he can turn this thing around still. Yeah, man, it's I mean, you Jawan Howard is like he was kind of in the hoax zone last year where you're really rooting for him, but it's like. Is it is it gonna work out here? So like he you know he's still right. out recovering after the heart surgery. Phil Martelli's been more yep. than holding down the ship. So when he comes back to have this staff at full strength and see what the team can really unlock before they get into conference play is gonna be something to monitor. I'm with you, man. All right, that's going to do it for us this week. We got a second podcast coming out. We will talk about Maryland. Should be pushovers. Excited to talk about that. I may have to own up to some things that I've said about that program. So I'm sure you're looking forward to that as well. <laughs> and then after that, brother, oh, baby, after that. I mean, we are basically there. Um, I mean, that it is flying by. I'm not ready for this season to be over, but no. at the same time, we know what's coming, and uh, I don't know if my heart can take it, but nonetheless, that date in late November is right around the corner. Looking forward to breaking that down. Got anything else you wanted to throw out there, sir? No, that'll do it for me, brother. Oh, I have one final thing. Thank you to Christopher Michael, who got at yes. me on Facebook and submitted a potential name for the sign-stealing allegations. Now, it's not quite perfect because you have to refer to the previous scandal, but he called it, what was it, the era of spies and fries. And I was like, I like that. So that's the placeholder. It's the uh, the spies and fries scandal until we can come up with something better. But I like that. Thank you to Christopher Michael. Shout out to you. Shout out to all of our listeners. But please make sure you like, share, subscribe. Leave us a five-star review if you haven't already. You can find this podcast wherever you find podcasts, whether that's Spotify, Apple Music, or wherever. I'm Jared. That's Andy. This is Out of the Blue. We'd like to remind you that wherever you go, go blue.